This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Matthew McLaughlin, and we cover a little bit of everything from kindness and honesty to communication to him writing what he wants to see, the concept of sweep, mop, and polish, manifestation, and heart, humor, humanity, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Matthew McLaughlin. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me in person is Matthew McLaughlin. Matthew, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great. Since the pandemic, this is probably conversation number four that I've had in person. In person? Everything's been on Zoom. Whoa. And I much prefer this, so... No offense to anyone I talk to on Zoom, it's fine too, but I much prefer this. Better than having like an echoey large room and you have me here and it sounds... (laughs) We still have an echoey large room. At least we're in the room together and it's not four, you know, three or four different rooms. It's so true. Yeah. I have, I have, yeah, you can, you'll be able to hear this echo. I have so many questions about your career and life path up into this moment. I think the way in which you go about creating new works and getting those new works out into the the public space is um, disruptive Thanks. and in a great way and just generally different. So I'm, I'm excited to like dive a little deep on your slice of humanity Hell with yeah. this and like see what, see why and how you tick <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. the way you do. So I just, no pressure, no pressure. But uh, before we get to that, mm. I do want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. Mm. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Well, um, to avoid, uh, this being a therapy session, but at first it was just, um, get attention and be entertaining (laughs) and be funny. I love honesty. And I originally wanted to, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a singer songwriter and I wanted, I just, something about music I always connected with so deeply. And I've seen that kind of throughout my family for years and years and years. My dad knew like 20 instruments or something. And I just, you know, would sit at a piano and I was like, I can get out how I feel through these combination of notes. I had no idea what I was doing. And I never got the logic of theory or anything like that. But I just felt from a young age like, oh, this entertainment isn't about the idea of it. It's like how to get out how I feel. And so I wanted to do that. Luckily, as I started writing songs, they were just so bad and my lyrics were so literal. Great for theater and things eventually, but at yeah. the time I'm like, good God, this is not good. Yeah. And I, I knew that as a young age still. Um, and so I will, always wanted to perform and I wanted to, I would now see, get out what I was feeling in some way. Yeah. And uh, eventually that led to acting. My brother went to school for acting years before me and I saw him performing and, you know, as a younger brother, younger sibling does, you're like, I want to be like them or I want them to like me and be equal. And so eventually he was like, you should do that. And so it, it morphed into, into acting. But originally it was, um, be funny, get people to like me and play music and maybe, girls will think I'm cute if I do that too. So that was also a factor. You want truth? You got truth. I, I'm here for the truth. Born in Scotland, raised in Florida, living in New York. Yeah, I still don't know how that happened, but I, I, I yeah, it's a triangle of, of tourism from like a town yeah. in Scotland to Orlando to New York. I'm curious too. Well, I don't, I guess I didn't find this piece out on the web. At what age did you leave Scotland? I was four. Okay, so that's pretty young. Mm-hmm. I was I was curious, you know, because you go back there frequently, mm-hmm. you know, having that 
having roots there yeah and also being raised in the state of florida which is like kind of a new thing since the 70s just in itself and scotland's much older right and then you have new york which is significant and just the way communities and ways of being are in different parts of the world i'm curious if there's been any takeaway lessons on like worldviews not that they're if these days can feel like two different worlds between florida and new york yeah. but certainly scotland and yeah. the united states yeah I always get a reminder when I go back and I just got back like a week ago and you find over there that there's a sense of, even though there's a difference in beliefs or whatever, there's still a unification of maybe, um, like we're still the people of Scotland and there's still, we are all still kind of one. And I find that for better or worse, it's kind of the opposite here where it is a, a melting pot of especially in, in Florida, believe it or not, or at least where I grew up. Yeah. And that can be um, difficult, but then there's also strength in that. And you come to New York and it's like, it's kind of the same thing of a New Yorker doesn't look like anything. It's you're just a New Yorker. It's yeah. almost like a rite of passage to become that. So, seeing the worldview there of of kind of like how you become a unit, and um, yeah, just kind of like the people there was always interesting. Like it's kind of the same pride of being there, but it all looks different. Which I and even Florida, you know, people <laughs> are vastly different of different beliefs, yeah. but can be kind and like just believe in kind of where you're from or, or have that. But um, yeah, that was kind of the interesting thing I felt. I brought it up a couple of years ago in one of w way earlier episodes, but after spending time overseas for a couple months, I had really opened my mind to how similar we all are. Yes. How we're really all going through the same things, albeit to varying degrees, especially yeah. if you go to a, you know, a country less developed. Yeah. But generally speaking, all humans are the same. I agree. And I find the small things, small in quotation marks, of how we interact with each other, what the societal norms, the small things, like being in a, a, a pub in my hometown in Scotland and you have these this group of 50, 60-year-old businessmen who aren't pissed drunk yet, but they're still like arms wrapped around each other talking close and just like, like and you know, there isn't a stigma about that or things here. It's just interesting seeing like what's normal and what's not and what makes us similar. And you're like, Oh, you can do that here or you couldn't do that in America. And just seeing what makes us different that weirdly makes us similar. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It's, but also like talking to people from other countries or when I was traveling, like, Oh yeah, but you can never do either of those things. And, Oh, in Japan or whatever. It's like, Oh, crazy, yeah. but cool. But we're all just humans who figured out what we couldn't, couldn't do. I don't know. Yeah. Growing up, what'd your parents teach you about work ethic? Oh man. Both parents had the view of, well, I'm just going to do it. Kind of the stubbornness of, I, I have to get it done. Sure. And that, in, that I didn't realize was fully ingrained in me till, probably I started writing about 10 years ago and um, there was a lot of, I mean, my parents separated almost right after we moved here. And so they were just two people trying to figure out their own life, having lived overseas for 
10, 15 years and not being sure. in America. So getting their lives together while having two kids was hard. So there was a lot of me kind of figuring things out for myself or with my brother. And when it came to things that I wanted to do, like acting and stuff, it wasn't until I, f what I actually loved, it was like, oh, I will do anything to make this happen. Hmm. And they kind of supported me in that. They were never, go be a lawyer or anything. For two people who basically came from another country or lived in other countries to America for the American dream, you would think they'd be like, go be a doctor. But they're like, oh, you want to go get a grade for tap dancing and coloring? Like, yeah, go for it. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> so they were always super supportive. But um, it was almost like I had to find the drive and the work ethic for myself. So going from high school with a 2.2 GPA to then going to like, oh, I want to act and I want to write and having like a four point something. I was like, oh, I have to do this. Uh, they were became the fuel of go, go do it. So it was kind of trial and error for myself. And they kind of hands off a little bit. And I thank them for that because I had to figure it out on my own. And now I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. Maybe I don't get in trouble all the time mm. and get suspended and just because I'm trying to get attention. Mm. So it was very hands off. And then once I started to really find my stride, it was like the most, what do you need? What are you doing? What are you working on? How, mm. you know, how can we support you? And that was integral to, mm. to that for me. Yeah. The older you get, the more you realize everyone's just making it up. They're just figuring it out. And most people don't know. Yeah. What? Any, everything, anything. They don't know. And it, you know, you can figure it out. You can figure it out. Everyone's just figuring it out. Especially parents because they are this figure to you. Right. But then there's always that moment where you're like, you're a person who had another person and, and you just also have problems. You're not this godlike figure. You're like, yeah. I just want to watch TV. <laughs> I just want to put my feet up. I'm like, okay. I it also, that. it can also take away the, all of those. I don't know the baggage that we can hold on. A lot of people hold on to from their upbringing. I think it's so. like, it helps you be like, just let it go. Like they tried their best. Yeah. You know, if you're remotely proud of who you are, then who they are is a direct result of that. So and, and let it go. Cause I, <laughs> I can look back at that and I can write plays about it, which I have. And I still, I'm so thankful for it. My, I look at it as the, the boy named Sue mentality, that oh, Johnny yeah. Cash song. It's like, if, if I wasn't, if I didn't go through that stuff, I wouldn't be who I am now. And I'm really happy with who I am. So I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. So, so yeah, but for, you know, good, bad in between, it is what it is. And if you have a kid, you'll name him. I'll name him Sue. Bill or George. Bill or, anything, or George. Or anything, or anything I still hate that name. Sue. <laughs> yeah. It's a good song. Boy. Listen to it. I had a similar question to the parents teaching about kindness. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about kindness growing up? Both my parents in their own way um, were, were so entertaining and talkers and could find a way to, I always say my, both parents could befriend a wall. And right. I feel like I inherited is that. A that. Thing? <laughs> it really is. And okay. they're just immediately honest and kind and my dad you know, my dad is one of those people he comes to new york and he starts befriending people on the subway and i'm like don't come on don't do that and then he's like that's sarah and she is becoming a dentist and this and he's just b friends with everybody and i just see how 
the way into the person's humanity and their heart. And he just found they, they both parents find a way to do that. And I just always saw that and tried not to do that for myself to be like, Oh, look, let me get attention and be enough. It was like, I find myself now just, just be, just be kind. It's the easiest thing you can do. And even in New York where everyone's hustling and bustling and, and, to take a second to just hold the door. You can't imagine how many times people are like, Hey, thank you so much. It's just, they have no expectation for that. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, um, yeah. it's the, what I don't want to get too deep in it, but you heard like the shopping cart theory. It's like the, the measurement of, uh, if you're a, almost like a, uh, a successful, helpful member of society is if you would return a shopping cart. Because there's no punishment. There's no, if that's just kindness because you're doing it for other people. And I just try to always be the person that would return the shopping cart no matter what, because yeah. you're, you're, there's, it's not wrong, but it's also if you're, if you're doing it for some person you'll never meet mm. that, that better for them to go, Oh, here's a shopping cart and not, I have to go walk half a block to go get something, you know, in the yeah. corner. So I just saw that my whole childhood of, well, you need, you got to return it because that's for other people. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. There was no, but why? Mm. I was like, because that's the right thing to do. Mm. Yeah. When it comes to writing, mm -hmm. do you have any mentors or have you had any in, in the past? And are there any standout lessons for from those mentors? Yeah, for sure. Well, I came to New York 12 years ago and I started acting at the Maggie Flanagan studio. And Maggie Flanagan was um, it was the master teacher there, and she you talk about um, like work ethic, and I think that is where I got that from, which was having this standard. It it, it it's like um, <laughs> I, it wouldn't be um, me if I didn't make a Batman quote, but it's like in it was like the Dark Knight, and he goes like, "I see what I have to become." to, to, to do this. Yeah. And that was kind of what it was with her. It's, it felt like I was pawing at the idea of being an artist. And now you, this is how you do it seriously with the tools and anything less is not helpful to yourself and your creative spirit. Yeah. So yeah. watching her and listening to her give me those standards was really integral and I still keep that standard. Um, I let myself rest a little bit more these days, but Good. <laughs> it, it's, it's, um, that was really, really impactful. Um, I have multiple writing mentors through, um, like labyrinth theater company and different people who have helped just kind of was kind enough to pull me aside or go, Hey, look at this or how you phrase this thing a lot mm -hmm. or, not just a lot of people who weren't afraid to say, Hey, just so you know, or look at this aspect of you that you tend to do a lot, or mm. I don't, I'm not going to worry that you're going to be upset that mm. I'm giving you this feedback. And so, and Maggie Flanagan helped me go, give me the feedback so I can be a better art how, so I can do better or sure. I can help this reach its full potential. Um, and I currently work, uh, as an assistant to a writer that, um, named Matt Williams, and he 
was the creator of all the TV shows I ended up watching as a kid. Hmm. So imagine his um, confusion and maybe feeling old when he's like, you know, it's been a year and I just noticed we have like the same humor. I'm like, yeah, dude, you gave it to me. <laughs> we, I grew up watching all your TV shows. And so now I'm watching him, not even how he writes, but is a good person and is kind to everyone and how to be a leader in that, in a room and, they, and be open and honest and not, I have an idea yesterday we were sitting rewriting a thing and I gave him, I was like, I think this whole page should go. He's like, great. I agree. Cool. Good, good note. I'm like, okay, there's nothing's precious. And I've, I've learned a lot from that. Yeah. You can be successful and nice. Yes. You don't have to sacrifice kindness and not at all and all of the good stuff to be successful. That's I, not true. I would rather at all. I would rather work <laughs> with someone who is kind and talented than someone who's perhaps maybe has more talent or more celebrity or something and isn't kind like, no, thanks. Yeah. You're oh, going to yeah. be in a room with them for weeks at a time yep. or months. And you're like, I don't want to be on eggshells. Yeah. Yeah. Kindness. Matt Williams. Mm -hmm. Are there any standout lessons or common themes that he has brought up to you in terms of dissecting a story, mm. writing characters, anything that comes to mind? Writing wise, I find that he wants to get into the, the humanity of each character. There's never any 2D version of anyone that he writes. Sure. There's always a deepness to who this person is. And I don't know about literal ways into the writing, but I know that something that I've taken is heart, humor, humanity. You be funny, you can be as it, but have it be human and have it have some heart. And that is just, God, I'd get that tattooed on my head if I could just have heart, humor, <laughs> humanity. And he always looks for that. And I've tried to integrate that. Even if they're the characters that are real sons of bitches, it's like, you gotta, you can give them all three of those things. You can get, give yeah. everyone all three of those things. How have you gotten better at communicating mm -hmm. as a result of writing? Man, it's been, hmm, because it's really hard to have what you have in your head or your heart and then sit across the table and, and an actor says, yeah. so what's, what is this that, you know, tell me about this. And then instead of being like a bad director, like just do it this way, you know, it's, it's, yeah. um, it's made me choose be more conscious of uh, kind of my words and because actors will, will take things and we'll run with it. And so just being absolutely clear. So instead of just talking for 10 minutes about a character or a play, just more quality than quantity, I think is just how can I communicate this in the best, most effective way and not just bombard. It's like, so does that make sense? Or like, I don't know. You just monologued at me for 15 minutes, but also, being curious is one of the biggest things for me because I find 
I'm just so curious with, with people and with artists. And a lot of times if I'm working with someone, I'll ask them questions. Like, so what do you think about this? Sure. And then it will almost, they will almost answer their own questions. Not that I'm leading them to that, but well, what is, what do you think this is? And then we'll, we'll have a conversation. But I find when I'm with, with people, I'd rather ask more questions than, than not. I just want to gain, I just want to get to know that person and their heart and who they are. So questions is the best way to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so important that you in, and I think I do really believe before I, I'm going to like justify everything I'm saying before I just say it point Mm -hmm. blank. I really do believe in order to be moderately to severely successful, you need to be very proficient Mm -hmm. at reading, writing and speaking. And that was something that I did not get good at until three years after college where it was really like, Oh, you know, these emails, like how do you convey your emotions with a start, a middle and an end of each sentence as opposed to, you know, cause in your mind you just run on sentences, varying thoughts. It's all, (laughs) there's no organization when you think. (laughs) Right. And I think I'm just, I'm curious if, you know, getting a little specific on that, how you've gotten better at (laughs) not reading, but, but writing, really getting that on paper Mm -hmm. succinctly. Yeah. I mean, even just you're saying about emails, like I find myself, I'm like, oh man, that was a well-crafted email. I've had people have me write emails for them or like, how do I send this? Like, let's figure this out. And it's a problem, like a literal like math problem to me. And I love figuring that out. And what are you trying to convey? And it's mostly subtext that was all acting stuff. It's like, this is what you're trying to get across or Mm. be in, um, with when it comes to, to characters and things. I think the way, the way out with the words is the way in. So one more, I get to know them and I know that's all fun, cute writer speak, but it's when I writing more or answering questions about the character or what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish. It helps me understand who they are. So then they're going to speak a certain way or they're going to say things. And if anyone knows my writing, there's a lot of like ellipses and people's ums and us cause they, and that's just makes it clear who they are, how they are and, and kind of what they're feeling. So, um, barely anyone speaks in yes. complete senses. It, it's, it's probably <laughs> true. There's yeah. And there, even then you have to tell a lot of writers if it ends with a period, and the sentence with a downward inflection. Right. <laughs> Not with a flexion. <laughs> it's so interesting, though, because this stuff isn't really focused on in school, you know, no. beyond middle school or high school. It's, it's like, true. And it's kind of something that people are, you know, not paying attention to. I had this really cool moment earlier this year, and it was uh, met this person, and he, well, it was a big group of us, we're on vacation, and he is a composer. And, uh, and a conductor. And so he was for fun to stay fresh conducting. And he's like, do you guys want to, this is kind of dumb, but do you guys want to sit and watch me kind of go through this whole like opera and conduct along? I was like, hell yeah. And so we're sitting next to him watching him do this. And I'm asking him all these questions. And then at the end I said, this is probably dumb, but that felt so much like playwriting or how I craft some lines. Do you want to see So I put my script up and I said, read this line of what you think. And then it's like the ellipses. And then, you know, you could have, I I always say I could have the word word what with a question mark 
eight different ways. It could be dot, 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 what. It could be what italicized. It could be what dot, 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 you know. So he's like, that is so musical. That is, And I think that goes back to me having a musical desire of dialogue and speaking has a rhythm to it. And so I just thought that was so interesting because like, if that's clearly the intention by what I see on the page, I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm a conductor. Mm. No. <laughs> I was so into that. I just agreed. Like, yes. Yes. You are a conductor. I'm I mean, in many ways, yeah, you can use that as a, but I just analogy, thought that, but it's, I just thought it was interesting because he said, yeah. if that's that, that is broken up in the different musical instruments who have different intentions. And if you have this horn or these strings, that's going to give a certain feeling. He's like, you ha- only have the people but you have the words on how to do it sure. or, or the, the phrasing. So sure. I just thought that was so interesting that I was like, how the, and he was getting it. He was saying it, how I had the intention hmm. because he, he knew what that, what that would look like. And he wasn't an actor. So it was just interesting. How have you, how have you found the balance between letting things happen and making things happen? Oh man. In life and in work. Well, I've always, fought against the feeling of better, harder, faster, stronger. Like that's going to make everything that's going to do it. If I just push hard, if I just lift this weight up and 12 times and then put it down, I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. But then it's also stretch, sit, heal, relax, um, do yoga, you know, all of that, the metaphor of doing more, as hard as you can, isn't always going to be lead to success. It might lead to burnout or an injury. Most often does. Most often does. (laughs) And a great example was um, this last trip I just went on and I'm starting a film, my first screenplay, about being in my family's home of 80 years in Scotland and it's the first time no one's been in it because family have passed away and, and now I'm like an adult. I have to go get my own groceries and all these things. And I was like, okay, I'm here and I'm going to start writing this film. And every day I'm like just wanting to sit there and look at the scenery and, oh, but I should go upstairs. I should get writing done. And I was just beating myself up. And I, in the middle of it, I said, you know what? I want to give myself permission to be and not do. And that was so difficult, but I have to be, but I, and it goes into, but if I don't accomplish something, then I have to, I'm not going to be enough for I'm like, it's, it's fine. If you are just sitting with some tea, watching birds go, believe it or not, that may do more than trying to start or get 10 pages in a day or something. And the irony is, by the time I left, just quote unquote being and doing nothing, I got more out of it and more ideas than if I had actually started writing and pushing against that. So I'm finding that the being is as important, maybe more important than the doing because it really fills up. And so when you actually start, it just can, can pour out of you. It's also healthy. It's healthy as hell to do that, to sit and 
I was beating myself up for so long that I hadn't written anything new for like seven months, eight months, first time since I started writing for like 10 years that I've taken that long of a break, but I'm had met the best people in my life. I have had the closest friends and I'm just being, I'm like, huh, I guess I don't feel bad that I don't have to, to do. And that's okay. Cause it fills up your cup. You know, you have to fill yourself back up to then be able to give. Cause then you're just burning fumes and you're going to burn out. It's that whole thing on the plane. Put your mask on before you help the person next to you. Exactly. Because if you don't help yourself, you really can't. Yeah. You will be incapacitated. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way you can take care of your child if you don't get your mask on first. Yeah. And when you want to take care of people and you want people to, to be okay or, or feel taken care of, that's it's going to be hard to do that for yourself. Or you want to show that you can take care of someone. It's It's going to be hard, but you have to do that for yourself. Otherwise... You can't do it later. So that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's also a really good point of like doing actually, I don't know. This is a point you brought up, but it made me think of it (laughs) of doing everything you possibly can to get to where you want to go and then having to let go Yeah, and see if it's going to work. Yeah. Because I, you know, whatever you believe in, like things happen for reasons. Yes. And whatever it is, like whatever higher, you know, lower power you believe mm. in, like things happen for a reason. And so you can only do, you know, as much as you can. And then at some point you do have to see if it'll fly. Yeah. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And and I'm there's a difference between laziness and and ju- and just being like excuses being like, "Well, I called one person. I did everything I could." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's like, no, did you really exhaust all avenues? Right. Because there is that, I have that mindset and I see so many wonderful artists have that mindset of screw it. I'll do it myself. Or how do I do it? You know, or like, well, I want this. And if that's a wall and I can't get there, then do I, how do I go over it, through it, under it, around it? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. And just mm-hmm. figuring it out. But bashing against that wall over and over and over again, sometimes you're like, you know what, if I just sit here and then it's like, oh, then you just somehow get around it. It's just, just being so, um, yeah. Yeah. Is there a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself? I think, I'll, I'll give the, the annoying writing answer first and then I'll give the real answer. The annoying writing answer is <laughs> all of my projects tell me something about myself, sure, but, sure. but they have because I intentionally did that. When I write a th- something, I, I, I love writing something with a good premise. That's really fun or funny, mm. but I want to have something that I learn or something that I have to go through and usually what I'm thinking or feeling in, in that phase of life, like, ah, this is really uncomfortable. I want to live through, I want to get through that. I will, I will write about it. I had a play that I wrote and I originally had the idea of like, I want to set a play in a comic shop. I really want to do that, but that's not a story. And I was just starting therapy and figuring out the, you know, this inner child I have and figuring out how to heal that part of myself. I'm like, I need to live through that, but what the hell does that have to do with a comic shop? And I'm like, okay, I found this way to do that. This story where the 
owner of the comic shop suddenly sees their 10-year-old inner self and has to take care of this version of themselves. Like, oh, well, that's a story. And by the end, I'm learning about me and really just trying to, you know, these characters are just me talking and trying to figure it out. So I try to do that with everything, regardless of what the play is. But as so that's the annoying playwriting answer. And then Mm. the most solid thing, I think, uh, I think every play will do this when I go through the whole process of writing it, then rehearsals, then the production and seeing it. But my uh, last play I had up earlier this year called This Goddamn House, very deeply personal about my family, wasn't mincing anything. It was about a playwright who came down from New York to help his brother clean out their childhood home because the mom was getting a 24-hour eviction notice, but the mom is a hoarder, and they had to clean out before the police show up or the sheriff, Mm. and that all really happened. So uh, going through that process and having the real world, I guess, consequences or repercussions of the family now having to watch, know that this play is in existence Mm. and the relationship strengthening or weakening because of it, and it just kind of, because I could have backed out. I could have said no, but I had to be open and honest and, and stand tall and be like, this is my truth. I, 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 I'm sorry. This is at least how I feel about the whole situation. Um, so it taught me to be open, honest, strong. And um, it's it was weirdly like, I always say this about the pandemic or COVID. It was like a weight on top of things so whatever relationship I had this play was like a weight on top where it either strengthened it or it broke it down because it wasn't strong to begin with and so this was really heavy on on a lot of things so it just taught me all those things all like the the what was really there or um how to deal with those losses or those gains so I would say this goddamn house was probably the one that has had the most in, impact on my life and taught me the most about me. You might have just answered this question, Great. but I guess in a in a plus plus mm. to this, hmm. how has your taste evolved in what you work on hmm. and what you like in general? <laughs> yeah, for what for what I what I like to to work on is probably just things I want to see things I've never seen like oh that's interesting or an idea that I like and I will um steal the hell out of it and put my own spin on it and you know that's the way the creative world has worked for thousands of years of oh I like that I'm gonna do my own version yeah and things that just interest me or just feel like it fits in a place on the the map of things I'm like I don't see anything in that spot I like I like this idea and that's always interesting, but I also want to have a solid reason why I'm doing it for me, like a personal investment. But as far as things that I, I watch and, and, or, or take in, um, I just really love, I just really love character journeys. I, I love and respect all the people who sit and rewatch the office and parks and rec over and over and over again. And that's there, but I, I'm like, I have to watch something that's new or a, a story that is continuous and not just, 
every episode is different or if it is, it's, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I yes, that's my toxic trait. Yeah. I, I always have to learn something from <laughs> yes. what I watch. It's yes. very difficult. You're my the wife same. is like, let's watch modern family. And I'm like, I love it. Nothing wrong with it. I love very that funny. show. But like, there's like, she'll see like, you know, five minutes in my phone goes up to my face. Yes. It's like I just, it's like a, it's a, what do they call it? Like a beige flag. Right. A beige <laughs> flag. That is so I funny. To, I have to, I always have to learn. <laughs> yeah. Even in my downtime, I, wanna, I must be learning. <laughs> yeah. That's how I relax. I want to watch the bear. <laughs> I want to see all these characters suffer and grow. Oh, yeah. So after a long, hard day, let's go watch Succession. A documentary about, yeah, Succession. <laughs> yeah. I love Succession. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to uh, be, because, because I do... <laughs> I do put myself into whatever I'm writing or so whatever I'm watching so much that I want to, I'm putting myself on the roller coaster. I'm not watching the roller coaster. I feel like, yes, I could sit and watch a roller coaster go by a hundred times. Like, God, that is so fascinating. Yeah. But I put myself on it and I want to be on the ride. Hmm. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't know. I just thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like that. I mean, that's a really good, that's a really good answer to how your taste has evolved. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I love it. I'm just not, not that it needs to be deep or weird or, or, um, heavy. It's just, I want to be invested in what I'm watching and, and be surprised and just be like, Oh yes. Or, or watch them grow is my favorite thing. You know, it's funny and we won't get too deep on this cause it's in about me, but it, for a second I had a thought mm -hmm. about all of the projects on my slate to produce. Yeah. And it's a very interesting taste when I look at each individual musical play, right. Thing, you know, film project TV there, but yet they're all, you, they would all be congruent to who I am. Yeah. The stories I want to see on stage. Do you feel like there's a through line? Oh yeah. With those questioning, questioning, Questioning history, mm. but not just like historical history in a history book, like h how we think. Mm -hmm. It's always every, and obviously you want to have a good story that has thought-provoking themes and all this stuff. Everything that I have has a human who would watch it in a theater mm -hmm. or in a venue. Mm -hmm. It would have them questioning the way they've pre-programmed themselves to think about everyone else around them. That's cool. Every single one of them. What great awareness of that. Well, those are the stories we, I mean, look, I'm, I'm on a soapbox now, but those are the ones we need. I agree. I need you to sit down with the baggage you have, learn something, my beige flag, right. and walk out and, and interact with the humans around you just a little bit better because wow. we're only supposed to, we're supposed to leave this world better than we found it. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. Oh man. Pick up your trash, throw it out emotional or otherwise. That's so compelling. <laughs> That's it. I came here to answer some questions and now I got a lesson and I'm, I'm so happy about it. <laughs> you got a lesson. I got a lesson. This is like, these answers are fire. Yes. I cannot wait to air the episode. We got a few left. Great. And then I'll let you go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm doing it here. Well. Um, changes made that have increased positive positivity and decreased negativity in your life. Changes. Hmm. Oh man, I don't know. Change, say that again. Pot changes. Are there any changes you've made in in your personal life? Yes. That have increased positivity and decreased negativity. I've found that journaling 
has been one of the biggest things and not, and, and also getting to getting into it in, in the way that it's a tool for me, not dear journal today. I, you know, this is not for, yes, this not for later. It's if I write it and I, I finish a, a journal, I could throw it away, that kind of thing. And it's just finding an outlet of what's, I, I'm feeling in in my heart, in my chest, and getting it out, even if it's talking to myself and working through this thing. Like, oh my god, that answer on the podcast was so stupid. No, it wasn't. You, you're think overthinking because blah blah blah. And basically, just working. It's a way to get out all the fuzziness in my head and my body out, and then I feel clear. And then I always write some gratitude pages, what I'm grateful for, and then some manifestation pages. I always say it's like. Sweep, mop, and polish. I just get the stuff out, and then I feel, you know, clean. And then I'm like, and you know what? It's, life's gonna be good. It all works out. It man. all works out. And sweep, mop, and polish. That's what it always. Yeah. That's the name of the title of the episode. I hope. Yeah. And uh, that's it. It really helps. Really helps me get through the day, and even when bad stuff is going down. I can I can get it out. I can get it out through those things. Those meta- manifestations work. Hell yeah! The very first when I first started journaling, six seven years ago, very first entry was reticular activation, which mm. is the part of the brain that focuses on what's important to you. So in a crowd of blah blah blah, you'll hear Matthew. Wow! And you can focus on things you want to accomplish or achieve or whatever. And in a crowd of blah blah blah, you'll see an opportunity. Interesting. And that's like a slight scientific way of saying manifestations do in fact work. Yeah. You know, you're in a crowd and you're like, someone say my name? Yes. And why would they say my name? And then suddenly it's... And maybe they didn't, but they said something that sounded like your name. Yes. But it's so important to you that you're listening mm-hmm. so hard for it and you don't even realize it. Yeah. And that's exactly what, you know, finding someone to work with or finding it... It's people who don't actively know or jump into manifestation and it sounds like this, this, this woo-woo magic. Yeah. And I totally understand... But there is a power and an uh, to sound woo woo energy of just I've just found myself even if it is all nonsense, but it's a belief like this is going to happen. You make the choices, maybe a, a slight change. You 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 point some an arrow in one direction and then like one or two degrees to the right doesn't look like much, but down the road, Five it's years from now. very different directions. Apart. And so if you say, I am this thing, I have this thing, I do this thing, then you might, you might start to believe it. And I have these wonderful instances where I have these little goals mm-hmm. in my writing journey. And I said, I, I am going, I am, I, I work with, and I am friends with this person. And I just said, I don't know why I just, I'm this, what's going to, and now I I'm not only working with that person, I can't get rid of this person mm-hmm. in the best way possible. I'm like close friends with this actor I've always wanted. And it's just so great. Now, would that have happened if I didn't say that? I don't know. But I just was like, I'm going to do that. You know, like, I'm going to create a successful business. I'm going to do that. Then what's the, also like, what's the harm? Then say be like, ah, uh, I don't know. But just, you got to. You got to believe it. And it's not so much magic, but you'll find things start happening. And you're like, that's cool. But life punishes the vague wish and rewards Mm. the specific ask. 
Yeah. The more specific I've gotten in my life, the more it has lined up quickly. Very true. Or as opposed to like, I want to produce. It's like what, when, where, where with whom, wh- yes. how, why. Exactly. I'm doing this show in this location at this deadline with these people, and this is what I need to get there. It's like things line up. I remember coming out of the pandemic right when all of unemployment was ending. Like, I guess I, we all are staying home, but I still need to find a job somehow. And I just, all, all I want is a job that has to do with the arts and with something that pays me so well that I can also get writing done. And maybe the person's like a mentor and they want to have me write and be help my career. It's like, if I got one of those things as a job, that's wonderful. And now I have all of those. I manifested the hell out of that job. And it's just because I, I'm going to get that. That's what I'm going to have. Mm -hmm. And then it, it shows up, you know, it's not a, a, it's not a magic genie, but the, it's, it's kind of like luck, you know, luck is just preparation meeting opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Needle point that on a pillow, but it's true. And, and it's kind of that with manifestation. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're looking for it or you say you, you, you're bringing it to you, but it's like hearing your name in the crowd mm-hmm. versus manifestation is basically like, I want to hear, I want to listen for my name or someone's, you know, whatever. And then you, you will hear it or you hear, will hear some version of it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when you think of someone and then you see them that day or they pop up. Oh shit. You know, manifestation. Most gifted books. Do you have any favorite books? I do. Uh, my, the, well, the one, the few that impacted me the most creatively was, it was Austin Cleon's Steel Like an Artist. And S-T-A-L, it's. S-T-A-L, Steel? Like steel, steel yeah. yes. Steel Like an Artist. And the whole concept is every creative thing is just you stealing. And that yes. is okay. Every story's been told. You are just <laughs> genetic stolen from your parents. There is nothing original about you. Nothing. And that's okay. You know, it's... it's oh, that doesn't sit well with me. I don't want to hear I that. Know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. But, but yes. it's... it's Yes. The answer is yes. It's like David Bowie. He has all these quotes. And it's like David Bowie. He's like, I, I'm not interested in anything I can't steal from. And yeah. it's it's... That's... Maybe also the kind of things that I like to watch, things I want to steal from. Mm-hmm. But Steal Like an Artist kind of shows you that this is not a negative thing. This should be encouraged. Yep. And you should go and, and, and go create. And it, help, it gives you the tools to like, have your create, literal creative space to do things. Maybe a wall of your favorite artists or your, your mentors. And the best thing about them is... They can't, they can't deny you. You can look at all these people and admire them and take things, steal from them and be your own version of that. You know, I could point to probably every single one of my plays and say, this is like this play, but with this instead, or it's like this, but what's crazy is in TV, they ask you to do that. Like, what's your pilot about? What's your TV show about? Well, it's like Star Wars, but steampunk set in Louisiana. And it's like, all you're doing is stealing these three things to make something new. You're like, holy crap, I've never heard that before. And um, yeah. that was the most impactful <laughs> thing for me was 
it gave me permission. Mm. Whoa, I can, I can see that and then do, you know, I have a, a, a play that's, um, just had a reading. It's like my own version of Batman, but it isn't. It's like, well, let me see if there's a, a different way to do that. What if, what if we spun it a little different than what you're used to? Yeah. And that's interesting. That makes it new. And, uh, yeah. and I think the only other thing was Stephen King's on writing was one of my favorite. I think that's like a huh. gold standard of you start writing anything. He's kind of like, yes, I know I'm known for writing all of this, like two, getting two novels out a year, but here's why. Cause I just do the work. I just have a standard and I get, I think eight to 10 pages every day and how long that takes, takes two hours, takes six hours, but that's what I leave my office after I get 10 pages and you do that for, you know, 30, 40 days a month, two months. Mm. You have a manuscript. He's like, it really isn't hard. And you build up to that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that it's that simple. So it just kind of gives the, the, like the, the schedule and to get it done. The ritual of it all. Yes. On writing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, are you on a laptop? Do you handwrite? Are you in final draft? Are you doing it in the books or notes app or is it? Yes, is the answer. All of those things. So uh, when I have an idea, it's in my notes app on my phone and I'll have its own little section. And early on when I first started writing, I took a uh, playwriting for actors one of the oh. first classes and it was just, just dump everything. You have a single thought, you have a quote, you have a song that you think should work. You have a whole scene, you have the ending, you have it, just make sure every single thing is down hmm. because I always have my phone on me. Boom. Always just there. I just, Scroll, 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 scroll on like one idea for like 20 times and it's all there. Most of it won't be used. Most of it is is just there, but it's getting the idea. It's the, some, I forget what cartoonist, I think it was in the Austin Kleon book, but it was like, get the thousand drawings out so you can get the good ones, finally get to the good ones. And it's, mm-hmm. sometimes it's that, it's just getting all these things down. So I'll have that and that will help flex the muscle for this project. Hmm. And then when I actually start writing, I will get a specific journal that helps me connect with that. Hmm. If it's um, set in Scotland, I have like a Scottish themed notebook I got when I was over there or about the comic shop thing. It was this kid. It was like a little, you know, that uh, composition notebook thing. Look like you take it to school. Yeah. The marble. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so I'll write down a lot of my notes there. But then when it gets to the nitty gritty doing it, yellow pad every single time. I'll set a timer for 30, 40 minutes and I'll start the scene. I'll just write. It's not even free writing. It's just, it's called meditative writing. You just like don't, you hyper focus on what you're doing and you don't think. You just write, write, write. And then by the end of the timer being done, you have all of this all these pages, three, four, five pages then you can look at. And now like, now I get to edit. Now that was neck down. I'm not thinking. Now I get to do neck up and I go, oh, that's a really great section. I would reword it. This is not good. I would keep all of this page. And then you just transcribe it to final draft. So at that point in the then, end, you're yes. typing it into a final So then draft. I just, and it saves me because then you don't sit there and go, what do you say? Uh, you just don't think about it. 
screw you. What? Why would you say that? You know, and then all of a sudden it does Just the like thing. Yes. And exercise. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you do the thing where it's like, I didn't expect them to say that. I always thought that people were so full of themselves. Like, of course you knew you wrote it, but now I'm like, holy crap, I didn't expect this. And then you just put it in and then you, you're in a flow state. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So kind of all of those things, but it always start on the kind of the phone and getting down, jotting down the ideas. And then when I'm actually writing it, I'll, I'll just, that's kind of my scrap, you know, but then if I, if I have a reading or I take notes or I, I, in my character section in my actual notebook that I, that I have for that project, I'll write that down. So all, all the above. Is that morning, afternoon, night? I try to do the morning. You sit down with your tea. Oh, you I do. You turn the music on. No. Yes. <laughs> uh, like an old record. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Darling, I'm going to write. It, you have your pipe. <laughs> it depends. Usually morning, but it's, I'm doing everything to be a morning person. It's very hard. I can help. You, or are you just gonna call? He's gonna get it. Yeah, Six a.m. <laughs> God damn it, Clay! Yeah. Oh, this conversation is great. I didn't expect to go the on the turns that we took. I love it. Um, <laughs> final one for you. Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? It would be that infamous Matt Williams phrase that has been burned into my soul, which is heart, humor, humanity, because we have all those things regardless of differences and background. And I think if you can touch on those things, if you can have heart and you can be, have humor and you can talk to them as, as just people, mm-hmm. I think that that, that's what it comes down to you know, having, being, being from a place like Florida where you don't, it's not like New York. We'd be like, here's my opi- political opinion. And be like, I know. Cause we all agree. Cause we're in the same bubble. Yeah. Right. You go to Florida and you say that them's be fighting words, yeah. but you learn how to talk to them as you talk to everyone as, as a person or say hello or yeah. whatever. And so I think that we'd be in a much better place if we all just had a little heart, humor, humanity. That buttons up this conversation quite nicely. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before we end today? Gosh, I don't think so. Thanks for listening. People of the world. <laughs> Matthew <laughs> McLaughlin. <laughs> Clean now, everybody. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 